following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So I want to also say again, Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, I am a dad, and it's the thing that's given me more joy than probably anything else in life, and also more uh, frustration than anything else in life. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a great dad myself, uh, who's, uh, who I love, and we've had a, we have a great relationship. Um, uh, but I know that sometimes Father's Day, similarly to Mother's Day, can be a painful day as well. So for those of you who are struggling today, for whatever reason, whether it's the desire and inability to be a father or the fact that uh, your relationship with your father is not good or your relationship with your children is not good, I want you to know that, that even in the midst of all the, the smiling and, and uh, shoulder clapping that happens on a day like today, we, we stand with you and we love you. And um, I believe God stands with you and loves you as well. And that it's our, our knowledge of God and, and his love for us that can help redeem some of those uh, broken things that sometimes happen with, with fatherhood. Um, and then I'm going to do what you should never do, and that's point something out that most of the people in the room aren't noticing, and then all, now all of you are going to notice it. Um, but for those of you who do notice this kind of humming sound, <laughs> um, we are, uh, as you can see, in the midst of a, a, a construction project here, and um, we're waiting on some doors and windows and things, and the, it's a little dark in here and so forth. We've been talking about that. But what happened this week is that the electricians brought in wiring to the, the expansion, the addition, and when they did that, they cut some circuits and things, and I think they may have um, mislocated a ground line or something. I'm not sure what it is, but we are working on it. Hopefully, we will, um, at the very latest, have it figured out by the time the... the project is complete, and, and uh, <laughs> at the very latest, I said, um, and hopefully as early as uh, now, uh, <laughs> speaking of things you can be praying for, um, uh, we're, not, we're not the kind of place that thinks there's demons in the, in the electrical wires, but you can still pray that God will help us figure out what is in the electrical wires. <laughs> so that's what's happening. Um, we are in... Um, <laughs> thanks be to God. We are um, in the third week of, I believe it's the fourth season, if you will, of this Signs of Faith series. We've been looking at the Gospel of John off and on for a little over a year now, and our plan is to go through the whole book um, at some, by, by some future date. Um, we're, we only do three or four weeks at a time, and then we take a break, come back to it later in the year. And so I don't know when we'll finish, but the, the plan is to just keep going section by section and looking at it until we're done. And uh, this particular season in the, the Gospel of John has been really wonderful for me to dig into a little bit deeper. This is becoming one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. Um, John's telling of the feeding of the 5,000 people, this, this, this miracle the, the uh, I believe it's, was it the fourth or the fifth sign of faith that I say in the, in the Gospel of John? And we, this whole, this chapter is fairly long, so we've been in John 6 for a few weeks now, and um, you may remember that we, we started a couple weeks back with the actual event of the miracle when Jesus um, multiplies these 
loaves of bread and a couple of fish so that it feeds a giant crowd of people, 5,000 people. And uh, we, we talked about how it sort of harkens back to the story of the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt and how when they were hungry, God provided from them bread from heaven. They called it manna, which means what is it? Um, and every day they would have to go out and gather some, but they couldn't gather too much or it would rot. And uh, how, how when Jesus multiplied this bread, this miraculous bread, there was baskets and baskets left over, 12 baskets left over, and, and Jesus instructed his disciples to gather up the fragments so that they might be lost. It's a really beautiful phrase that we, we kind of sank into for a little while. And then last week the story continued, and, and um, it says Jesus saw that the people were about to take him by force and make him their king. And we talked about what, how kind of a weird thing that is to do. And Jesus disappeared and... Uh, showed up later when his disciples, the, the kind of inner circle, were, were rowing through a storm, and he walked on the water, and it terrified them, and they tried to take him into their boat, and then they suddenly arrived. And we talked about how um, Jesus isn't really ours for the taking. You can't take him and make him into a king or a prop or whatever you want him to be, and um, what, you, what you should do instead is kind of mirror the disciples and, and take him into your deepest fears and needs and concerns. And in, in some very real sense, you will, uh, you will have arrived in doing that. And then at the very end of that story, we saw he got to the other end of the, the sea, the other side of the, the little sea, and the crowd of people had made their way to find him, and they, they said, where did you go? And do you remember last week he started to chastise them a little bit, and, and he saw through their motives, and he basically said, you didn't come to me because of the signs that I'm doing, but because you had a nice meal um, and I'm not uh, a line cook <laughs> or a genie or a, a, a random miracle worker um, and so we're going to pick up today in, in, in the middle of that response the response that Jesus gives to them when they say where did you go is, a, is quite a long response actually we're going to look at it for the next two weeks um, but this is where this, this is the point in the story where things start to go in a very different direction. And you sometimes, if you've been around for a long time, you've probably heard me talk about how this, this story, this event ends, um, especially as regards this, the relationship of this big crowd of followers to Jesus and what happens to their interest in him when he starts to get a little bit serious. Um, and so what I want to do today... Is, is kind of um, facilitate and guide you in a, a special spiritual type of reading of this passage. And rather than give a sermon this week, I want to teach you this, this um, reading and prayer technique. Many of you know it. We, I try to do this maybe three or four times a year. It's called Lectio Divina, which is a fancy Latin phrase that just means sacred reading. And uh, there's a couple reasons why I do this occasionally. One reason is that um, it's so important for me to, that you know that you can read Scripture on your own and that the Spirit of God can speak to you directly through the Word without a mediator, without me in this case to sort of tell you what something means. That is a very very present reality for you that you can you can be you can 
Immerse yourself in the Word of God and receive from Him in doing that. And you don't need me to be part of that at all. Um, it is my great joy to share with you what I see in the Scriptures, and I hope that it's edifying to you when I do that. Um, but I don't think you need an expert. And I, I want to make that so clear, and this is one of the reasons I take time right in the middle of a service once in a while to do something so different. Um, and the other reason is it's, very, it's also very important to me that, that I help you to redeem devotional reading. <laughs> Um, because if you're like me, and many of you are, you grew up in the church, and you learned to read the Bible with this single, single-minded emphasis, excuse me, on studying the text um, very intellectually, and your goal in doing so, the way they taught you to do it, is to master the text, to subdue it in such a way that you can um, know it and control it in some ways. That's, that's kind of a pejorative way of describing Bible study, and I don't want to tell you, please don't hear me saying that inductive Bible study is not appropriate. It absolutely is appropriate. But in the Western church, we have this single-minded way of coming at Scripture like, like a surgeon, right? Weird Al fans, just let it go by. <laughs> Those of you who have no idea what I just said, thanks God. <laughs> Google is your friend. But we come at the text like a surgeon, trying to, to, to cut it up and, and, and get inside it. And, and it's very kind of scientific, right? Lexio Divina is one of many ways of reading Scripture so that you place yourself in a position where the text can master you, where it can cut you open, where it can perform surgery on you. And it's very important for me that as you go out into your life of faith, that you know that you don't need an expert or a mediator to, to encounter the Word of God, and that you have different tools and ways to approach the text, not just this very uh, intellectual, scientific approach, but one that's also um, more meditative and uh, submissive to the Word and to the Spirit. Because the Word is made alive to us in this kind of thing. All right. So how many of you done this, have done this before here at Artisan when we've done it? Lexio Divino. I see a number of hands. Um, for some of you, this will be your very first time with this, but it's a, it's a fairly simple process to walk through. And I hope that you will enjoy it. Just bear with us, and, and uh, I, th I think that you'll find this kind of neat. I have taught this discipline, by the way, in churches and in small groups. And uh, I even taught it once at uh, the coffee shop near my house for their holistic spirituality night, <laughs> which is usually like tarot cards and, um, and anything else you could possibly imagine at, a, at a, an urban cafe having a holistic spirituality night, right? <laughs> And I used a, a psalm, and I used a text from Rumi, uh, and depending on where people were, they used one or the other, and it's, it's okay. We're in, a, we're in a church now, so I've, I feel no, I make no apologies for only offering just the, the text of Scripture this time. Um, but I, I do want you to know that if you're not a, a Christian, if you're not a religious person, that this, this exercise can still be meaningful to you. You may have to adjust some of the words, and, and, um, and that's okay. All right.
Fair enough. So what we're going to look at is the passage from John 6, 27 through 40. And uh, do you have your Bibles out? Um, it's on page 867 in these Bibles that are the, the red ones. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you can certainly use one of these. I'm going to read from one. Now, what happens with Lexio Divina is that we read the text four times, and each time we have a different emphasis, a slightly different focus and approach to it. Now, the way we'll do it this morning is I will literally read the text four times, but when you do this on your own, the idea of four readings is, is really you spend a period of time reading the text in one way. You can read the, the passage more than once in that first reading and then read it more than once in the second and third and fourth readings. In the interest of time and simplicity today, we're just going to do one reading for each of the readings, if you will. And uh, you don't have to know how this ends. If you're new to this, we'll just go, do it one step at a time. So the first type of reading is called in Latin, lexio. It simply means uh, reading. And what we're going to do here is read the passage for comprehension. If you're going to have a kind of a spiritual encounter with this text, you probably need to know what happens in the story. And that's the first thing you're going to be looking for. Also, as you read through this text, and I'm going to read it aloud, you can follow along or you can listen, whatever's better for you. I want you to look for or listen for key words or phrases. I often say that as you're looking at the text or hearing the text, certain words or phrases will, will stand out to you. They'll almost glow. Um, I don't want to sound like hippy-dippy or anything like that, but I do think this is the way the Spirit tends to draw us to what He has for us in this text. And it's going to be different for, for everybody. So what we'll do now is lexio, reading. I will read the first pass of this story. And you're reading for comprehension, listening for comprehension, and looking for those key words or phrases. Okay? This is Jesus speaking to the crowd. Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in Him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. A 
it can be helpful as we proceed through this experience to hear from each other just a little bit what it's like. So what I'll ask now is if, if anybody in the room had a word or a phrase that really did glow for you, that really did jump out, you don't have to think about what it means or anything. Just what is the word or phrase? Go ahead and shout it out. Bread of life. The will of my Father. This is the work of God. Very truly. Do you hear how different those four phrases are from each other? I mean, they're all from the same passage, but you can begin to see already how God is going to lead those four people down different paths to different understandings in this text. Um, now, of course, that's, that's kind of a frightening idea in some ways, too. And whatever happens with an experience like this, you need to test it against um, other people. If you come up with something that is uh, an understanding of the text that has never been had before in all of church history, that's probably a red flag, that you're hearing something that's not the Spirit of God. Um, but you don't, I don't want you to go into this with fear. My point was just to say that the Spirit will speak to us in different ways. Okay? Um, let's do the second reading now. The second reading is called Meditatio. Um, in some of these words, it's pretty easy to put an N on it, and you kind of know the English equivalent. But in this case, we're going to read the text again, and I want you to ponder it, to ruminate on it to re-examine it, to focus maybe on the word or phrase that stood out to you before and to dig into that one a little bit more. The, um, the uh, etymology of this word is connected to a cow chewing its cud. And so if it's helpful for you to think of chewing on the, the scriptures, worrying it like a dog gnaws at a bone... That's exactly the idea that we want from this reading, Meditatio. I'm going to read the same passage, and this time we're going to ponder, ruminate, re-examine, focus in perhaps on the word or phrase that stood out to you last time, and think about what it might mean. Begin to try to formulate some understanding. Okay? Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, 
not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. I'll just give you another minute to keep processing that. So, uh, again, let's hear from each other just a little bit, if you're willing. This gets progressively more personal as we go through the Lexio Divina. But from the meditatio, this meditation, this ruminating, this chewing on the bone, what experience did you have with that? Just shout it out, anybody who would like to. Happy Father's Day, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so Dallas was saying the word that had risen to the top for her was life, and so she was thinking about and pondering the difference between eternal life, spiritual life, and physical life. And how those those different understandings of life may have interplay in the in the passage. Great, thank you for sharing that. Who else? Yeah. Uh, did you hear what Brian said? He said he was focusing on the word always and then saw the word never as well. And um, those words communicated to him the reassurance, the promise of, um, and here I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but of sustainability and longevity and God's continued providence uh, in contrast to the story of the Exodus, the type of bread that's spoiled. Yeah, thank you. Maybe one, one or two more? If, uh, yes, Shane. So Shane, Shane was noticing in the second half of that passage all the usages of the word I and how Jesus is really turning their attention to him, saying, I am this, I am the bread, I am... Um, yeah, good, thank you. And then Heather. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 
Right. So Heather was noticing the, the continual demands for more signs and more proof. And I like what you said, the lengths that we will go to to avoid having to kind of accept that and believe that. Um, you know, I, when I read this, and I, 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 shouldn't read my, I shouldn't share my own intention because I want this to be new for you. But I, that kind of stood out to me this week when I was reading it. I was like, did these people already, like, are they already part of the Jesus Seminar? They already think that, like, it was just, the miracle was just people decided to be more generous when they saw the bread going around and really enough bread all along. I mean, what, what did they think was happening there? They're asking for a sign, right? <laughs> they had chased him around because of the one that they saw. Anyway, so that one resonates with me, obviously, clearly. Um, yeah, stirs. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that he was right there and they didn't, yeah, they still didn't believe him. Let's move on to the third reading, which is uh, called oratio, which is the Latin word for prayer. And I want you to think about prayer in this, this reading in three different ways. Asking God of, asking God something or asking God for something. Telling God something. And then, of course, listening to God. And I think a lot of times our understanding of prayer is mostly the first one, asking, which is a particular type of prayer, of course. But it's not the only type of prayer. So this is where the spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible and of praying to God interlock. This is, this is the stage that makes me love Lexio Divina so much because you're reading and praying at the same time. And I always joke about this, that you shouldn't have a checklist for all the spiritual disciplines. But if you did, you could check off two at once with this, this reading, which is great. Um, so again, your prayer may be centered around the words or phrase that have been standing out to you. Your prayer may be one of confusion um, about what you were trying to ruminate on and you didn't come to an answer. Your prayer may be a confession. Your prayer may simply be saying to God, I am now listening to you and I wasn't before. What do you want to say to me? Oratio. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, what must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, 
and I will raise them up on the last day. I'll give you a minute to finish up your prayer. So this stage is yet even more personal, but perhaps there would still be one or two people who would like to share what your prayer was during oratio. Dan was saying that he was struck by the uh, phrase about losing none of that which was given to me um, and uh, being, have the stuff being raised at the, at the end. Um, and repeat the last thing you said you wanted to know what that means for your own life. Okay, to internalize that reassurance. And that's, that's a, a prayer of kind of a plea to God in some ways. Yeah, thank you, Dan. Yes. Thank you. Um, she was talking about how this story gives you an opportunity to imagine what you would say if you were in a crowd and, and the Savior was there and you could ask him a question directly and get a response from him, um, which is a, a, a wonderful thing to contemplate. If, and if you are, she said, if you're struggling with the idea of prayer, that, that's a good way to kind of frame it. Yeah, thank you. Yes.
Okay. Right. So, um, and this is how this is this has happened so often with Lexio Divina, where something starts out wonderful and turns up side down, or starts out awful and turns upside down. Um, both experiences are important for us to have. But Keith was talking about how he was drawn to the phrase "I'll never drive you away," and how wonderful that is. But then, um, during this Oratio reading, um, it occurred to him that sometimes God does seem to withdraw from us. It's not the same as driving us away, but it might have the same kind of result for us in some ways. And that's troubling. And I think um, asking God that or telling God that's how you feel is a, a very legitimate form of prayer. Absolutely. Unless anybody think that that's not an appropriate thing to say to the God of the universe, I would just instruct you to read the Psalms a little more carefully. (laughs) Well, let's move on to the last reading, because we are running out of time here. The last reading is Contemplatio. Um, Contemplation would be the most obvious translation, but that one doesn't quite grasp what this reading is actually about, so I call it rest. Some people call it um, just live or be. You're going to contemplate your experience. You're going to reflect on what this has been for you over the last 20 or 30 minutes. And you're simply going to exist in the passage. In this reading, you must acknowledge to yourself and remind yourself that the work is done. You're not digging anymore. You're not trying to understand anything further, though more understanding may come to you in this stage. You're not looking for that, and you don't expect it. Um, You don't have to be praying anymore. There is no work to be done in this reading. You're simply going to pause and reflect. Just be and think and contemplate. All right? Last reading. Contemplatio. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. So in some ways, this one is the most difficult one, and you find yourself like retreating back to the previous readings and, and trying to do some work, and you have to keep, no, I'm not working now, I'm just, just being. Um, but as I said, sometimes in the moment of reflection and calming your energies <laughs> toward trying to figure something out, you actually do receive understanding or, or an interesting insight. And so 
uh, whether it was an insight or not, what, what was your experience with that? We have time for maybe two people to share in this case, Ben. So that's actually right in line with the whole purpose of that fourth reading in some ways. You were saying, what they asked him, what must we do? And he said, just believe. And sometimes we want to work, work, work. And really, what, that's not what he's asking of us at all. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of, of remembering that, that this gift is an eternal gift um, is an important thing, too, and not, not just being so caught up in the moment, uh, whatever your needs might be or your wants or desires or what's happening in this moment, but thinking about the, the uh, kind of big picture and ending, which is a a cool thing to do during this contemplatio reading. Well, I know that lots of you had wonderful experiences with that. If, if it was a complete bomb for you, um, I'm sorry, but I would encourage you to try it again sometime. Sometimes doing this in a group is more difficult than doing it on your own. And, and you, it's, it's fairly simple. And if you wanted to do a Google search for Lexio Divina, you'd, you'd essentially get these four categories pretty clearly, and you could try this on your own. I, I strongly encourage you to use this in your own devotional life. A lot of times when I do sermon prep, this is what I do to kind of get myself situated in the text. So um, I hope that it was meaningful for you and that it was a good experience for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the, the fact that your word is alive, and we thank you for the, the Spirit's work in bringing it alive to us today. And we thank you for Jesus the bread of life. And as we come now to receive from him at, your, at, at his table, uh, we ask that that same spirit who made the text alive to us would make him alive in us, that we might uh, serve you, that we might truly be strengthened for your work, that we would receive your grace, not only for salvation today, but for being made holy tomorrow and for the rest of our lives. We pray these things in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
So our communion table is open now. We have uh, a couple more songs to sing together, and the prayer team will be available here. Um, at Artisan, we have an open table. You can come and participate by tearing the bread and dipping it in the wine or the juice. Um, your kids are probably waiting for you out in the hallway. If you have them, they're welcome to take communion if that would be appropriate in your mind. That's okay with us, too. Um, but respond to the Spirit, however he may be speaking to you. It may be communion, it may be prayer, it might be something else. Uh, let's continue to worship him together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.